0: Real Cuff Radio is about to begin.
1: Everybody loves a
0: hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Welcome to Real Cuff Radio. And this afternoon we are interviewing Sonny Janes. And he's going to share part of his testimony and then we'll talk about his new book coming out. How are you doing, Sonny? I'm doing good. Well, do you want to start and share some of the early years and and how you came to know Christ?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, actually, uh, I call it the morning after the night before. (laughs) Uh, I'd just been uh, discharged from the Marine Corps in uh, November, uh, of 1957 I was on on my way well actually it was January the 1st when I really got converted but it was uh, I call it the morning after the night before because the night before uh, as I regularly do at parties I got loaded and got in a big fight with my family about who's going to drive the car home we had two little children that time and of course, I won the fight <laughs> recklessly drove my, my family home. Fortunately, we'd, nothing happened. But the next morning on the way to work, and I usually went to work on holidays because it was uh, on the dock. I was a longshoreman, and on the docks, we usually got paid time and a half for overtime. So regardless of my hangover, I was headed for work. And on my way to work, God showed up in my car. It's hard to describe how it was, but I felt like it was an encounter with God because it seemed like as I drove down the road, my life was flashing before me. And I began to see what a selfish person I was and how much I had really neglected my family. And then God said to me, Sonny, You're headed for destruction, and you're taking your family with you if you don't turn around. And that hit me really hard. And so I turned that car around that day. I didn't go to work, and I went home to to my mother. My mother, uh, we had been living with my mother at that time while our house was being built. And my mother said, well, we're going to church tonight. Why don't you go with us to church? They were uh they had been saved for a couple of years now and, and the whole family had been praying for me and they attended a little small assembly of God church close to a house. And so I went to church with them that night. And when the pastor gave the invitation, I was the first one to the altar. I don't remember the preacher, I don't remember the sermon. I just knew that I had to repent and I needed to get my right life my, my life right and as I knelt at that altar I began to weep and sob and junk began to come out of my life and when I got up from that altar the whole area around where I was at was wet with tears but when I got up I realized that I had started on a new journey and then I had a new opportunity. And I was full of joy. And a lot of the old things just seemed to leave. A couple of little habits, you know, I had to pick up in a couple of weeks. God began to set me free from some of those. But, but the most important thing was I felt like I had a new life. And that God had started me on a new journey, and what a journey that's been for over 58 years now, and I'm so thankful to God, and I still feel that same gratitude in my heart that I felt the day that God set me free, and that pretty much was the beginning.
0: <laughs> well, Winky Prattney told me that uh, that you looked like you were a movie star, or or a singer or something some famous same famous person, and he said that's that's why your wife actually married you or she probably would never marry you. but um, he said you used to sing at a bunch of different churches and stuff like that and and uh, so he told me to ask you about about your singing.
1: Well, it was uh, the singing really goes back to when I was a teenager. I used to uh I used to fantasize that I was the next Dean Martin or Don Cornell or Eddie Fisher oh, yeah. and I used to get all their records and I would stand in front of the mirror and listen to those records and begin to sing. And of course uh, when I was about 16, I decided I needed to take voice lessons. If I was going to pursue a, uh that kind of a career so I found a lady that, uh, that had a, uh, lived in a, one of those penthouses in Houston, Texas, who was a voice teacher, who was a really, a, she was really a, a, a millionaire lady, but she taught voice on the side, and she had taught some movie stars. So uh, I began to spend a little money uh, every month to go take voice lessons from her and she had a radio program, and she'd let me sing on the radio several times. And, and uh, I remember one one time when my wife said she was on a date with another guy. She was driving through town, and she heard this guy singing on the radio. She said, "That sounds like uh, uh, sounds like Sunny." And, and pretty soon, well, they told on the radio who it was, and it was me. <laughs> but yeah, I had these fantasies that I was going to someday be. Some kind of movie star, and then people used to tell me that I looked this, like the Sea Hunt man. I know my my little kids used to bring their kids over to the house, and their their friends would say, uh, "Hey, your daddy looks like Sea Hunt man." So they that kind of got that around. Everybody thought, "Well, he looks like Lord Bridges." <laughs> so maybe that's how that kind of rumor got started.
0: <laughs> what What about now? You- Y'all had a ministry, or you still have a ministry, but you had a ministry where you brought in a lot of guys that were going through hard times or going through, uh, were they, was it a drug rehab? Or how did that work?
1: Well, uh, what, what, how, what really inspired this was, uh, I, be, I read uh, David Wilkerson's book, The Cross and the Switchblade. And at that time, you know, I was serving God in the church as best as I knew how. My wife and I were working in youth camps. Every summer, we volunteered almost the whole summers to work in camps and uh, working with a lot of youth. And uh, there we met Agape Force, a group of young people in 1972. And for three years in a row, they came back to our camps. And I was really Really impressed with these young disciples. They read their Bibles earlier every morning, and I'd get up and to wake up the rest of the camp. And these kids would be out under the under the trees with their Bibles open, and and uh, we have uh, uh, the best camper uh, cabin uh, contest. Well, the kids that were in charge of those cabins usually were Gopi Force kids that won the best looking cabin they just was special young people and i thought wow but i was reading <clears throat> excuse me i was reading uh dave workerson's book the crossing the switchblade and i was really impressed with that idea so in 1972 after uh, uh after spending some time in the camp with the Gobi force we were at a, uh, another camp in uh, Silsby, Texas, right outside of Beaumont. And I was in a wrestling match on the ball field with a young man that I found out later on was a wrestling champ in his school. And I thought I was a tough guy, but this guy really did me over. So I went back to the cabin, and I flopped out on my bed, and... Uh, and I just picked up my Bible like I usually do and just opened it up randomly and it hit on the scripture that says thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach the restorer past to dwell in and I heard the voice of God say Sonny I want you to build bridges I didn't even know what it meant to build bridges but In the course of the next few years, I ended up being with the Agape Force, with that with that same voice still ringing in my ears, Bill Bridges, what is a build bridge builder? And remembering all the scriptures that Jesus said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And the words "go and build," "go and make disciples," just uh, seemed to impress me. So when we joined up with the Agape Force, we ended up uh, in Texas. Tony Slarno, the director of Agape Force, came to me one day and said, Sonny, we need, uh, we need somebody to be in charge of a home, to work with young men who need help, need a family atmosphere. And, uh, and I just really felt quickened in my spirit that that's what it meant to build bridges. So we began taking in young men. Uh, I think the first four men lived in us. We, was, we uh, rented a little place in Garden Valley Golf and Tennis Courts, and we began to take in these young men. Uh, Barry McGuire had the house next to us, and Calvary Commission housed their boys in the house next to us. There were three houses right there. And we were in the middle house, and that's where we began. And that's what got us started On that. We never advertised. We never had to go out and look for them. They always found, if they needed help, they always found a place to come. And that was the beginning.
0: Probably more word of mouth from people most that of, have Most heard. of the
1: time, just word of mouth. I've had people, I've, I've been, had people just bring people in and say, Hey, we picked this guy up off of the, off the streets, hitchhiking needs a place. And we'd take them in. Sometimes they'd say, sometimes they wouldn't. And, uh, but we'd work with whoever God gave us.
0: <laughs> wow. So your new book, the seven pillars of wisdom that will be coming out soon. Um, I was reading through the introduction of the book. And I wanted to just read this one quote you had here. I realize that we have such a decline in our religious liberties and the church in America has lost much of its ground in our moral realm that we need revival. Not just an uplifting, the emotional, but a revival of The interest in what made America great, and I thought to myself, first of all, with a quote like that, starting a book, I will be sending it to Donald Trump, but would you explain what you uh
1: well, it seemed like it, uh, it seems like the the church has allowed the world to fit itself instead of us uh instead of us influencing the world, it seemed like the world has influenced the church. And Christianity has become more of an easy believism thing where all you have to do is accept Jesus and you're saved. And I felt like it goes more much deeper than that. We need a revival of what it means to repent. We need a revival of what it means to take up our cross daily and follow him. We need a revival of wisdom. And wisdom is uh, is seeing things from God's point of view. Not from our point of view, but God's point of view. And uh, so uh, I think it was early 80s that I, I began to I run across a, a study on this uh, on this whole subject of seven pillars and I really took interest in it began to uh, develop some sessions on that and I began to teach it I taught it in a God us. I taught it in our church I taught it uh, with Calvary Commission what's a new uh, uh, ministry that was begin to be started and uh, so anyway as the years went on as I developed this Then just uh, not too long ago, I felt like God said, you need to write a book about that. So that's why I wrote that book. And I call it The Seven Pillars of Wisdom. And that's, wisdom is seeing things from God's point of view. And it's just basically a, a study in the book of Proverbs. What wisdom is all about.
0: All right. What, um... What are you doing in life right now? What is your, uh... I know y'all said you're gonna downsize, that is.
1: <laughs> well, you know, we, uh, when we, uh, we spent seven years during the revival in Pensacola. I worked in a Bible college there. Uh, at that time, we, we had already phased out of this taking men in. And so we moved back here in 04 and we went to work for a local church but right now we're back at Community Christian Fellowship and, and I've just left myself be there and be available, whatever they need. Right now I'm teaching a class. Uh, and from time to time, I'll be able to teach uh, different subjects that's been on my heart. And, uh, but mostly I think God has said, spend time with your children and your grandchildren. Because sometimes you get so involved in ministry that you neglect your own family. And I've seen some grandchildren grow up and sometimes I feel like, boy, I didn't have much time with them. But now I'm having a lot of fun, playing with my two twin grandsons and, and my little uh, great-granddaughters and, and spending time with my family. And uh, I believe that's important. I believe family is a picture of God's intention when he said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. I used to hear all the time that God created us so He we had somebody to worship him. And I used to think, that sounds like a selfish God to me. I think his intention was much greater than that. And I believe the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit had always lived in a perfect love harmony relationship and he looked down and he said, let us make man in our image. Let us spread this love, this community feeling with others, a family of sons and daughters that live and reign with me forever. And I believe that's intention. And so I, I feel strong about that, I feel very strong that we need to be about community about family. And that's why I I really feel like uh, that for me to come back to community Christian fellowship was the right move for me to make because there is a strong family community uh, there at CCF.
0: Well, you know, another thing people, they don't seem to realize in such a fast paced world is time is short. You know, I, I mean, I had an uncle die at four this morning and, uh, you know, he, he was older, but he wasn't that old. And, and you just don't realize what you, what tomorrow holds. Yeah. So yeah, family is, is a huge, you know, huge thing <laughs> in, in everyone's life, but a lot of people, they miss it out. They.
1: Yes. And the Bible said life is like a vapor. That's right. And the older you get, the more you realize it is like a vapor because it seems like things i can remember has happened 50 years ago as if it just happened yesterday and as, as as i get older i realize time goes by fast so i better do what i can for the lord for my family while i'm still alive also don't you think
2: that you have so much wisdom to pass to your grandchildren.
1: That's, yeah, that's part of what I'm talking about. We
2: need the older generation telling us things they've learned. The blessing, that's part of passing the blessing. Yes. Is when you follow God, I'm telling you, young children, when you follow God, your life is right. When you do it your way, it doesn't work, or whatever they (laughs) need to pass. Yes. I've always realized that um, our older generation is a big attribute if we'll take the time and invest with them and, and fellowship with them. So, what you're doing is the right thing.
1: Yes, and that's that's exactly uh, you know when I decided to retire, exactly what I was retiring to: spending time with the family, yeah. passing on, yeah, passing pass on. on what God has brought. And good, good point. <laughs>
0: Well, um would you mind just praying over the audience before we uh end the show and
1: Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> Lord, I just want to pray for whoever the audience is that is listening to this broadcast. God May you hear what an old man's learned over, over 58 years of serving the Lord. And what a joy it is to give your life to Him and allow Him to direct it line upon line, step by step, day by day. What would you do, Jesus? I pray, God, that maybe some word here, something said, would spark a new generation of believers. I pray that the young people that are hearing this broadcast would take a look at their lives and say, It's what I'm living for worth Christ dying for. My late friend Leonard Ravenhill had that inscribed on his grave. And I just pray, Lord, that we take a look at this fast-moving light, life and realize, God, that whatever we're doing today, is it counting For eternity. So Lord, help us to keep eternity in view. And I pray, God, that revival will break out in this world that is so needed. There's so much hate, so much division, God. And we need, we need the kingdom of God which is peace, joy, love, God. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
2: Um, there is one item that we talked about of one of the gentlemen that you helped who came back and paid restitution for yeah. what he did. And I just want to say, if we're not going to take the time to talk about all that, that uh, we will link this poem to the website because it's really precious about it. But if you want to say just one quick word before we close about the gentleman or anything, that I'm going to link that poem. It was beautiful.
1: Should I say his name? mm well, this, uh, this young man came to us, uh, uh, very needed young man. And, uh, uh, he had gained a lot of trust in our ministry and the family. And we'd, uh, we had, uh, loosed him with some money and one of the ve- vehicles and he decided to take off with it. And, uh. As time went on, they found him, and he had to spend a little time in prison. But they paroled him back to us. And as a means of restitution for what he had done, he changed my garage into a study for me that I have been enjoying for years now. And uh, it's a beautiful study. And, and so I believe it's important that we have to bring forth meats worthy of repentance. And bringing forth meats worthy of repentance mean you need to make right what you did wrong.
2: Good point.
0: Well, I want to thank you for being on with us tonight, Sonny, and we look forward to the release of your book. And uh, enjoyed the show. And that's a wrap.